Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. Today we celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration. We come to this image of Jesus radiant on top of a mountain with his inner circle radiating the love the majesty the power the all powerful presence for his disciples to witness and they go up the mountain as one group of men and they come down the mountain as a different group having been transformed The word transfiguration means a complete change of form or appearance into a more beautiful or spiritual state. And that's the state that Jesus invites us into. For that, we have to see where we are today. That's our invitation. That's our destiny. Ultimately, in the glory of heaven, that is our state. But he invites us to that state here. So our question for today is, what is your present spiritual state? Where do you move towards and live in? Do you live in love, in joy, in connection, in compassion? Or do you move towards and live in anxiety, anger, separation, fear? When we cannot control much of what is going on in the world, we can focus on our inner, inner state, which is the only thing that really is ours to honor and to maneuver with because it is the presence of our inner room inside of our hearts. We can decide and determine what thoughts and feelings we choose to have. We have the power of our will and determination to make a decision right now for where we want to live. In the midst of this pandemic, we can say that we decided to choose to live in love, in joy, in connection and compassion in the midst of this. Does it mean that we will never feel the other emotions? that we will never feel fear or anxiety or anger. No, it doesn't. But it means that every time we feel them, anxiety or anger or separation or fear, we will move ourselves back to the feeling and the thought that we choose to have. So how do we do that? Emotions sometimes can take a strong hold on us. They can weigh us down. We hear the words of God telling us, you become what you behold. That is where our focus goes, our energy flows. If we spend time complaining and deciding in our thoughts and in our words that we want to just keep talking about something. I saw it with the flood in, in my neighborhood, for example. The people that dwelt on it and every statement that they made about it was about woe. And it took months and months to come out of the flood. And the people that decided the flood wasn't going to be the distinguishing factor of their lives. They acknowledged it, their pain, their fears, but they immediately decided a plan of action to move beyond it. So where is your focus? Where is your emotional state? 
How fit do you feel you are? When I feel sad or discouraged or anxious, I give myself a moment to feel it. And then I begin to breathe deeply into that feeling without judgment, just observing how it moves through my body, where it goes. The shoulders maybe feel tight or maybe I have a headache or, or maybe my teeth are clenched. When I breathe and I pay attention, I begin to feel a release. My attention over my body is healing. Breathing begins to release what I feel. I name what I feel. Scientists at Stanford University concluded that naming an emotion releases by 50% the stress, the negative effect that it has in our body. It releases our brain to relax because it doesn't have to figure out what it is. You name it, you let your brain then go to take care of other things. We begin to surrender. It is in that surrender that I begin to imagine God's white light from his throne starting to fill me up with all the tender care, all the majestic power, all the healing presence, all the joyous hope for my life. Jesus repeats, be not afraid, more than any other phrase in the gospel. He knows that we're prone to feel fear and he comes to walk with us. What are we afraid of? You can fill in the blank. Each of us have a particular fear that tends to rule over us. Uh, we can be afraid of not enough money or not enough love or I'm not worthy or there's not enough time or work or available men if I'm a young single woman or enough time or enough rest. In this pandemic, we have fears that have become even bigger. When we focus on our breath and then we breathe God's love into it, we begin to see that fear dissipates. As we meditate on today's transfiguration experience and we surrender to the experience of God's love and whatever we're going uphill into that mountain where he reveals himself to us, we know that there is a climbing down that is going to happen and that God in this revelation of his glory is inviting us to surrender our inner state, our spiritual state, to the glory of his presence that he wants to be with us and our breath and our imagination are guides to help us choose the thoughts and feelings that are going to help us experience the presence of God. The first reading today, Daniel chapter 7, shows a vision of the throne of God where the ancient uh, one has bright clothing that is white like snow and the hair white as wool and the throne and the wheels and the streams around it have fire and there's a flowing and ministering thousands of thousands of, of uh, beings are ministering to God and there's a court where the books are open and then the son of man comes on the clouds and is presented before God the father and there he receives dominion glory and kingship and all the peoples and nations and languages serve him and this is the God of our glory. And this is the throne from which we can call the spirit of relaxation and rest and serenity and calmness and peace. This is what we can breathe in because God is asking us to be transfigured. That is to choose a spiritual state that matches the love, the compassion and mercy that he is calling us to. In Psalm 97, we hear the Lord is King, the most high over all the earth, and the earth rejoices 
because clouds and darkness are round about him, but his throne has the light of life and love, and we can behold his majesty, his majesty over all the earth. In the midst of all of the things that are going on, we have seen the devastation of an explosion in Lebanon, and it is so horrible to know. And one of my friends who is part of the Jewish community was telling me today how many of the Jewish brethren are donating blood for their brothers and sisters in Lebanon. This expression of love to some that have been their enemies for a long time. God sits on the throne and God is inspiring us to take command of our thoughts and feelings and choose the emotional state, the spiritual state that is a transfigured one where we can witness the glory and the majesty of God and of his son who comes to walk amongst us. Let's read about Peter and about the gospel story about Mount Tabor. How is it, friends, that a fisherman, Peter, who could barely make sense of what Jesus was talking about when at the beginning of the Gospels, he has so many questions and he makes mistakes. And we can see he is strong-willed and hard-headed and is guided by his will in a way that is very human. How is it that we can hear on Second Peter 1 verse 19, you will do well to be attentive to the prophetic message of our Lord as to a lamp shining in a dark place until day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. These are poetic words from Peter. And he goes into that transfigured state because he receives the Holy Spirit. And this is what we ask. We ask for the Holy Spirit as we breathe, as we imagine the light on, from God's throne from that majestic moment in Mount Tabor to, to fill us, to help us arrive at a point of rejoicing, even in the midst of devastation. We can rejoice that all of these Jewish brethren are donating their blood to people that were their enemies. In the middle of every tragedy, there is going to be a sign of hope. And this rising of the dawn and the morning star in our hearts. And we can do it in a very specific and practical way when we breathe into our feelings and we feel them in our body and we allow them to dissipate. And then we use our imagination to have that breathing sense from God's own presence. And then we know that God says, Behold, I make all things new. Peter was one of the apostles at the mountain that Jesus took up. And in this letter, he says, We have been eyewitnesses of Jesus' majesty. He received honor and glory from God the Father. When that unique declaration came to him from the majestic glory, he heard God say, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. 
Do you know that God says that about you and about me? When we bring ourselves to his presence as his children, asking that he renews us, that he gives us that same spirit, that that kingdom of heaven that is inside of our hearts that Jesus comes to ignite, that is already amongst us and God wants us to have a taste of that. And today's readings about the transfiguration are about that. Jesus brought that majesty so that those that want to walk with him, that want to lean on him, that want to rest on him, are going to be renewed and are going to see that transfiguration. And what we behold is what we become. So if we behold this glory, that is what we become. It doesn't mean that we are God, but it means that we can reflect the joy, the love, and the compassion. For that, we have to choose it. We have to choose it. We cannot allow our thoughts and our feelings to be the ones that guide where we go, but we have to allow this lamp shining in a dark place, and that begins with our breath and inviting the presence of God in that darkness that can feel overwhelming in our hearts. So breathe and know that Jesus came so that we could experience the presence of his majesty in our hearts. Let's look at the actual event. We have heard Peter say that they heard the voice from heaven while they were in the mountain. And here on Matthew 17, verses 1 through 9, we see Jesus taking Peter, James, and John, the two brothers, and Peter up the mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured. And everything we hear in Daniel, which is also in Ezekiel, we hear this vision from prophets many hundreds of years before Jesus actually displays his majesty in this mountain that his face is shining and his clothes are are bright and Moses and Elijah appear right there and they're conversing with God. And Peter says to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. It is good that we are here. When we can practice this sense of making ourselves be in the presence of God, we can repeat that. Lord, it is good that we are here because we're never alone. The minute we call on the presence of God, we are aware that he's always been with us and that his angels are with us, that we have angels that walk with us because God has promised that he has made the heavenly realm available. So Peter forgets completely about himself just like a couple of episodes ago where we were seeing the crowds forget about themselves. They forget it's lunchtime. They they are listening to Jesus enthralled in what he is saying and describing being in his presence and enthralling a moment for their hearts that Jesus multiplies the loaves and the fish because they have nothing to eat. Here, Peter is forgetting about himself as well and saying, we can make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then a bright cloud casts a shadow over and they hear the voice, this is my beloved son. And this is when the disciples fall prostrate and they are afraid. 
I find such comfort in knowing that the disciples who are right there with Jesus feel fear. We are going to feel it in our walk and in the in, in the things that are happening. Every time we don't know something, every time we, we are uncertain, every time that there is something before us that we're not familiar with, we can feel fear. But what does Jesus say? He comes and touches them. He touches them and he touches you and he touches me and he tells us, rise and do not be afraid. And they open their eyes and they see Jesus and they come down the mountain and Jesus says, do not say anything until I have been raised from the dead. He's giving them that vision, knowing that they're going to work, walk through hardship and they will need that reminder that when they see him on the cross, tortured and when they feel like all hope has been lost, they have that image to encourage one another. So let's go into that space and let's make a promise to ourselves that in this pandemic, we are going to learn to navigate our thoughts and our feelings and choose our inner state to make ourselves available for that presence of God that we can say we behold and we become what we behold. We behold you, Lord. So let us pray, Lord, help us to rise and not be afraid. We know that you walk with us and we know that you walk with us until the end of time. We breathe with, with that breath of your Holy Spirit. We feel ourselves with the light of your joy and your love and your compassion. Help us to feel connected to you and to connect with others. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.